Eastside Johnny Big Redemption like. No, I'm talking about. Hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on? Welcome to the All-American Chelsea Podcast. I am the captain, the leader, the legend of all things you see. All-American Chelsea, what's going on? It's your boy, Christian, coming back again to you live from beautiful Miami, Florida in the good old US of A. What's going on, boys and girls? How are you? What's going on, everybody? This is a big record. Some people were hating on it, but I've always liked it. I feel like, uh, who was it? Who was it? What's this guy's name? Uh, the one that fought Tyson Fury, uh, Deontay Wilder. He came out to with with J Rock. J Rock brought him out on his fight versus Tyson Fury, and I felt like that was the perfect, perfect, perfect walkout song. Win, big, anything with horns to announce. I feel like. All right, so I've always wanted like a like a kind of um, like a personal gift to myself. Like I've always like for my birthday. I wanted a higher, like, uh, like trumpet player, horn players, uh, even a mariachi band, to walk into a spot before me and start like bam, bam, with the horns out, and everybody say yeah, like a hype up crew. Like I've always wanted to get hyped up before I go into the crowd, like walk into like a room or something. Like I have a hype man, have horns, have like a band there, like they're warming up the crowd. Like come on everybody, get your hands up, get your hands up. It's Christian, he's in the building, hands up. And the whole everybody's just like what the fuck. And I walk in, I'm like yeah, what's what's up what's up just like for stupid shit just like when i come home whatever like when i'm going somewhere like anywhere i go i've always wanted like a hype man like to get there before me to like to announce to the crowd that i'm about to show up but not like like in the olden times like or like burr, 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 hear ye hear ye nothing sh- no shit like that like like a legit like like a flavor flave or like a band or something like a i don't know something big and epic every single i've always wanted that i've always secretly wanted that just like it'd be kind of dope like you know like yeah that's why i kind of like starting the podcast off with music i feel like it gets you hype like yo what's up like you know i always i, I feel like that would be dope i really would man like one day i want to do it i want to film it one day I want to do it. Get everybody's reactions. Not from, not necessarily for film it for me, so I can see it. But like, film it to get everybody's reactions. I feel like it would be super dope. Like people like, what the fuck? Like I go into the supermarket. It's like, bam, 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 bam. J Rock is there. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Get out the way. And I just walk in. I'm like, hey, what's up, everybody? What's up? What's up? People be like, what the fuck? This guy, get him out of here. Like, some people be cool, though. Like, I don't know. I think it would be pretty dope. 
Yeah. What up? I'm high fiving people. Yeah. What up? What up? What up? What up? What up? That'd be so dope. I want to. I want to do it. I want to do it. That'd be so dope. Anyways, anyways, what's going on, everybody? It is Monday, January fourteenth. We, for those who are keeping score, we are fourteen days into this transfer window, and we've only signed Christian Pulisic. Uh, yeah. I guess halfway done. Halfway done. Uh, we are on the verge of signing Paredes. Who? All right. For those who don't know, Paredes is the Argentinian midfielder. But in the last podcast that I did, I had difficulties. I've been having difficulties saying his last name until it dawned on me. His literal translation for his last name is walls. Like from Spanish to English, it's literally walls. Paredes. Like I can say the wall. Pare. Like walls. Paredes, it's right there. I don't know. It just dawned on me that it's just a, right there, and I had so much difficulty seeing his last name. But anyways, whatever. Fuck it. Uh, so yeah, so we're about to sign him. Um, who knows, man? Who knows? I, I I just I just want this team to be on the right track. That's all I want. That's all I want. You know, if you're gonna go after young guys, if it, just have a plan. And move forward. So those that's a little bit of a transfer situation that's going on currently. But this pod this episode of the podcast is with Joe Tweedy. So if you guys don't know, I did a transfer show, exclusive transfer show with Joe that I released yesterday, January thirteenth. Um you guys can wherever you're hearing this, I guess go to the episode before this one. And you'll hear the transfer show. And Joe Tweedy, quick, is a fan, but he's um, written articles, he's written blog posts, he's super interested in the game and the tactics. And over the years, like the last like eight years or so, he's based off of the, all the things that he's written. Even though he's not a journalist, he's acquired a bunch of contacts within professional football and especially within the building of Chelsea Football Club and so he's an insider he's in the know and so he was the perfect person to bring on to talk about transfers well before we got into the transfers it was directly right after the Newcastle game we spoke for about 45 minutes on the Newcastle game um I just asked him various questions on what his thoughts were, the tactics, the this, the that, um, what can we do to improve based off of what we saw in the Newcastle game, Chelsea's 2-1 victory of the Newcastle game. And I just wanted to pick his brain, not necessarily have any questions prepared not necessarily have um, like a direction to go. But more so off the cuff, like, you know, off the top of the dome to see, you know, what his thoughts were uh, on the game. So this is that episode of the podcast. Uh, It's a big week. Tomorrow I'm going to be recording. uh, I'm going to be recording tomorrow at 10 a.m. UK time, which is we are six hours behind, which is four 4 a.m. my time 
4 a.m. my time. Six hours? Five hours? There's some, something like that. I'll figure it out. But ah, that's... I'm going to have to wake up super early and start pounding coffee so I can get up to speed. Maybe do a little bit of uh, jumping jacks, push-ups, get some, you know, get my blood going, get a little exercise, get a little warm. Speaking of exercise, enough. It's enough, enough, enough with the bullshit. It's 14 days into the year. I need to get on my A game when it comes to my health. I am losing weight, but my cardio is not where I want it to be, especially when I like by the end of the game. I, for those who don't know, I play, you know, I play uh, six on six with friends or whatever, and whatever, whatever. It's not don't think that I'm like a semi pro or anything serious. It's just with friends. But these guys are really good. And by the end of the game, I'm like, <gasps> and I don't feel like my cardio I don't feel like my gas tank is where it needs to be. And like, I'm too tired for what I actually did, if that makes any sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I finish running 100 miles and I'm dead, understandable. But if I just finish playing a game for an hour, you know, I maybe, what do you run in, 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 in like two miles, three miles, something like that? You know, in the game? I, I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? You guys understand where I'm getting at. I feel like. I should have more of a of a gas tank. I should have I should be in better condition. So and my weight doesn't help. I'm at like two thirty right now. I generally like to be two hundred, one ninety and change. Um and the older I get, it's gonna be harder to get it off because I usually with weight I'm really good. Once I decide that enough is enough, I feel like my body's like, okay, okay. It's time. We know what to do here. It's time. And I start shedding weight. I start dropping pounds easy. But now that I'm 35, I'm like, yo, it's time. My body's like, all right, we'll get to it. Don't worry about it. We got you. I'm like, yo, I'm waiting. So I got to get on my A game. Got to fix my diet. Got to get uh, more cardio in. And it'll happen. I'm not too worried about it. So here is the post-match review. Enough with the bullshit. Here's the post-match review with the Don, the people's champ, Joe Tweedy. And I'll talk to you guys on the back end. Later. What's going on, everybody? By popular request, the people have been banging on my doors, sending me emails. I think I'm coming in too loud, everybody. Hold on. I'm turning me down. People have been banging on my door, sending me requests. They're like, Christian... We want one man, one man to navigate us through this these rough waters in Chelsea football. We want that man, and that man is the people's champ, the Don himself, Joe motherfucking Tweedy. What's happening, my brother? Yeah, really good, mate. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I think you could potentially have uh, Bruce Buffer's job when he's done there. Uh, <laughs> he's done introducing the boxing. That's probably the best introduction I've had on the podcast. So, yeah. Got to be on. Oh my God. Let me tell you something, Joe. That is the job to have. All you gotta do is show up for fights. That that's the job right there. That's the job. I I, I would kill for that job. Um Yeah, exactly. It's uh what fifty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars just for like five minutes work, it's insane. I, I get well, well well I mean you have you have Bruce and then you have uh Michael. 
Michael does yes. boxing. Bruce does UFC. Uh, Mike, yeah, I, no, I, I no, no. But it's all good either way. It's all good either way. Um, I, I would take their job. I would happily do that job. Happily do that job. All right, Joe. So we're going to do. All right. For everybody's listening to this right now, we're going to do this. I already spoke to Joe. This is what we're going to do. We're recording this podcast and apologies to everybody that was expecting the podcast of we were supposed to record it yesterday, but due to some circumstances, we had to push it today, which I actually think it's better that we're doing it today after Chelsea's match um, versus Newcastle at Stanford Bridge where we won 2-1. Um, so we're going to be splitting this up. We're going to do the post-match review and then we're going to be doing a transfer show um we're we're gonna be answering all the questions that you guys sent in um in the video that i put out on twitter for joe because if you're not familiar with joe tweedy joe tweedy is a man that has sources and he's a man that is connected in the club um if when joe speaks people listen and the reason people listen because the man knows what he's talking about he knows what he's talking about. And if he doesn't know, he's spoken to somebody who knows, who's spoken to another person that knows who's actually in the building. So we are in good hands with the information that Joe Tweedy is about to provide us. So we're going to do the uh, post-match review, get Joe's thoughts, and then we're going into the transfer uh, information. I mean, I guess all the transfer questions and the transfer news. So Joe, talk to me. What did you um what is your overall feeling um your overall takeaway from Chelsea's victory versus Newcastle where we're now 6 points ahead of Arsenal um who's in 5th place I suppose the the result is the most important thing I think establishing that 6 point gap was was really really important for for a number of reasons obviously we're playing Arsenal on the was it Thursday or we're playing them sort of very very shortly in the league um, so having that kind of six point buffer obviously is is preferable I feel a little bit at the, at the moment though that the the team seemed to be I suppose for, for one of a better term kind of treading water a bit it was sort of a performance that you you maybe associate with the end of the season where you're kind of a little bit going through the motions um, you know it, it took a, a completely wonderful pass from, from David Luiz to set Pedro up and again it was a fantastic finish and then an, an individual piece of magic from Pedro to Pedro, sorry, an individual piece of magic from William to, to score the second. And I, I feel at the moment, the way that the team is set up, that we, that we don't have that that real kind of uh, centrepiece, that real centre-forward that's, that's going to score goals for us, that we are kind of a little bit looking at these sort of magical moments to kind of win the game. And I don't think really, when you, when you look at how Sarri set up his Napoli team, so many different threats from different angles and, and, and so much... Uh, just in terms of sort of chances being created and all different people getting involved in, in terms of shooting and getting in good positions, etc. This Chelsea team at the moment feel a very, very big distance away from what Sorry had at Napoli. And I think that, you know, you see games like this and the game against Southampton and, and to an extent Leicester that we've... It's been a very, very similar performance. Just I think in this game, we've, we've just had that little, little bit of magic. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a very tight race for... For a Champions League position, and I think realistically that that's sort of the goal for this season is to to get back into the Champions League. And you know we're probably of, of all the teams, you know, looking at uh, Arsenal and the Manchester United, you know, we definitely have uh, the least amount of firepower. And 
sure, you know, we're, we're kind of catching up a little bit on, on Tottenham and, and, and those teams above us. But I think realistically, you have to uh, you have to wonder what sort of the outcome for the rest of the season is going to be if the, the plan A is, is to play Eden Hazard as this kind of centre-forward role. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I just, you know, I think the three points were obviously, obviously crucial in, in what we're trying to do. But when I kind of look at the performance and also the, the fact that we've got so many games to play the rest of the season, the fact that the team looks quite leggy and it's a little bit laboured, um, you know, the, the, there was really much happening in terms of creating really, really concrete chances. I and mean, there were a few there, but, you know, the, the, the goals were really from, from two excellent pieces of play from two individual players. So, yeah, I mean, I think you've got to be happy with the three points, but... You know, I think that if there were alarm bells about getting a forward in now, I think the club maybe have to take that a little bit more seriously after this game because I'm not sure whether Chelsea are going to be able to to kind of nick results um, sort of going towards the, the sort of you know second half of the season because ultimately, I mean, it's it's for us it's a question of finishing a lot of the chances that we create and we, and we don't have that player in the team at the moment, so really it's a it's a club decision and and. On sorry about whether they they go up and get the centre forward that they quite clearly desperately need. Yeah, yeah, it was just one of those games. One of those games where I felt like I remember I had watching the game. I had the thought of this is a bottom. This is a team that's trying to to to, to escape rele- relegation, and we're a top four club, and we don't there didn't look there wasn't like a difference between the two teams at all like um at least to my eyes you, if you ask well, who's in what position and what where i don't know I, I i didn't see that separation of top of the table versus the bottom of the table uh with the exception of the two plays the world-class pass from david luis who he it wasn't his first one throughout the game he was pulling off these he was just Reaching his leg, foot back and and, and sending the ball forward, um, and then the goal from William. So, I wanted to ask you. Um, it seems like Chelsea Twitter has a uh, axe to grind, has it out, has the eye of Sauron on Marcus Alonso. Um, what what did you think about his performance today? Because uh, I, and I'll share mine after. So. I mean, I think I'm, I'm fairly consistent and I've been quite a, a big critic of him, even under Antonio Conte. Um, I had huge reservations about him being moved to left back. And, you know, for, for people who were questioning or trying to figure out why there's been such a huge drop of in performance, you know, they're, they're almost entirely different positions, entirely different roles to play on the pitch. As a, as a left wing back, you have far less defensive responsibility, you have uh, at least uh, one more centre-back sort of covering quite a big portion of your defensive channel. Uh, you, you more often than not have a almost a definitive holding player as well, covering you as well as potentially uh, a winger as well. So that there's far more people around you to to help contest uh, not only the, the ball, but also to, to block passing lanes in space. And as soon as you move to being a, a kind of an actual left-back, you've got a bigger space to defend. There's less cover ahead of you less to find cover in a 4-3-3 system particularly where we play such narrow midfielders um, and also and it has to be said you know, Eden Hazard although I, he's not in the team to defend he's, he's not the most offensively aware player so you, you kind of leave Marcus Alonso in a lot of one-on-one situations and I think this season what we're seeing is, is him being exposed quite regularly um, and not even really by, by top tier talent and that's the worrying thing but I think probably the, 
probably the most irritating thing for me is there are, particularly over the past, let's say, two months, lots of, of well, in my, in my, it's very high-profile incidences where he loses the ball or the ball is lost in, in kind of the, the opposition half. And as they counter-attack down, uh, down his flank, you know, you can see the camera, you can just see him walking back into position. And there was one particular moment today where I think he was, uh, you know, he had Pedro, William and Mateo Kovacic all sprint past him to get back to try and cover that space. And I don't think, even when they, they all kind of got back there and covered, he still took about 15, 20 seconds to actually get back even then. So I'm not sure kind of what, what's in his head and, and why he, he feels that he's sort of a little bit beyond sort of covering his, his kind of area. But that, that for me is, is something that I'm seeing more and more with him is just this inability to, to get back. And, you know, when, when things counter, it's, it's very clear that often it comes down that, that left-hand side because there's such a huge gap there. And, you know, when you start seeing centre-back spacings increase between Rudiger and Louise, it's often because Louise is covering for, for Alonso and then, you know, you've got Kovacic sprinting back and William and Pedro, etc. And it just, to me, feels a little bit like, I don't know if, if Alonso is knackered um, in terms of sort of his, his attitude to, to his defensive work rate, but... You know, that for me has, has been the, the most disappointing thing. And I think it, it goes to my question saying that if, if we are going to be a, a team that plays back for, you know, sort of today, next year, whatever, you know, this guy's got a contract, what, till 2022, 2023, something like that. Just signed a five-year. You know, yeah, just signed a five-year deal. You know, this is a guy who is on going to be on very, very good money for the next five years. And, and to me, you know, as a, as a left back, he looks like the player that was at Bolton. He looks like the player that was at Sunderland, not the player that, a lot of people felt he was under Conte in Conte's system where he had a ton of protection. Now it's just him. Now he's just playing as a left-back. I think we're beginning to see that he's not actually a particularly good player. Um, but, you know, the, the, the problem being is that he's he's on first-team player salary. He's on, he's on a starting salary and he's got a starting contract. So, you know, this is something that's going to have to uh, probably persist for the next X amount of years. Um, you know, there, there are rumours of people coming in to buy him, etc. But I, I don't think they will buy him on the strength of what they're seeing this season. Um, and I think it's just, you know, it's just one of those situations where Chelsea are unfortunately lumbered with a player who, who gave a little bit of kind of a forced dawn of his ability playing in a, a position that suited him. He didn't have to defend as much. He could attack. He could be a little bit lazy in terms of his work rate. And now what we're seeing is is really the true reflection of a player who's not, in my opinion, a, uh, a left back capable of, of playing for a top four team. I know exactly what play you're talking about. It was at the end of the first half, and it was on a Newcastle was on a counter attack, and they were coming down his side, Marcus yes. Alonso's side, and you see the entire you saw even the Newcastle players. It seemed like there was, it was like what twenty players? What no, not not twenty, nineteen players. Coming down Marcus Alonso's side, running as fast as they can. And Marcos is nowhere to be found. The play was about to... Uh, I don't remember who made the defensive play or was about to go out on the byline. But then you see Marcus Alonso trotting in on the back of the uh, uh, yeah. of the back of the screen. I, I, I lost my shit. I'm sorry. I, I lost my shit. I think we won the ball, and, and he like he even picked the ball up in midfield. Yes, like, yes, that, yes. That's the I, I just I because I mean I, I genuinely thought of that instance like he has to be injured because he was off off camera. He has to be because there's no way that every single person on the pitch has just run past him. But you're right there. He is sort of sauntering into the screen, and he just picked the ball up in midfield as if that was part of his plan. 
Hold on. It's nuts, yeah. So, so again, so the, there's two questions that come up with him. Why did he get a five-year contract? And I guess before or before, however, which way you want to answer this, what the hell is Sari seeing in Marcus to continually place him in the starting eleven? Is it like why isn't Emerson getting a shot, or is it that? Emerson is just not good enough. I think with with Emerson in particular, there's there's two things that probably spring to mind, and the first of them, I mean, I, I heard from from a fair few people in the summer that he he has a little bit of reputation of being a little bit of a party boy, um, and I think that he most likely fell out probably with Sari during the summer. Um, you know, he's maybe a, a stereotypical Brazilian player playing in London. You know, you've got one of the best nightlifes in the world and maybe Emerson is a little bit too partial to that. Um, and I think the second one really, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about, you know, Marcus Alonso brings height to set pieces, etc. I mean, I don't necessarily buy into that argument, but, you know, I, I feel when, at least when, when Emerson has played, I know it's been sort of Europa League games and sort of the odd cup game, etc. but, he does bring a little bit of fluidity to that left-hand side. And I felt particularly when he was playing with uh, Hudson-Odoi and also sometimes when he's linked up with Hazard, that there is a little, little bit more chemistry when they attack as a natural left-back. But, you know, I think Sorry has his reasons. You know, a lot of managers do have their favourite players. Um, maybe Alonso is is one of Sorry's sort of, you know, generals or, or kind of deputies in the team. But it, it's, it's a frustrating situation because... You know, we hear Sari talk about, you know, Loftus-Cheek and also Hudson-Odoi about them, you know, having to work on the defensive phase. Well, the question would be to Sari, is, is, is he asking the same questions as Marcus Alonso? Because, you know, we can pick holes in young players that we want, but this is a guy who's probably on well over £100,000 a week now, has a five-year contract. It feels like he can play, you know, as, as, I mean, he's been out of form for months. We're not talking a couple of games now and, and still play every week. And yet... You know, this is a guy who, who seemingly, you know, is, is never going to be dropped. And it's a little bit of a head scratcher, um, particularly when you see, you know, some of the the kind of shouting, sorry, does the players to defend and to press and stuff like that. And, and, you know, kind of as we've suggested, you've got Alonso like literally walking from a left wing spot back to left back. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not even a jog most of the times. It's sort of like a shuffle, you know, it's like that when you're, End of end of sort of practice, and you, you know you want to sort of shuffle over to the to sort of the final bit of uh, of play. It's it's and it's getting incredibly frustrating because you know this this left hand side. I mean, it's when Hazard isn't out there, it, it offers so little in terms of uh, attack. And you know, Alonso is is he's not making the right runs. He rarely he rarely overlaps. He he comes inside far too often for a left back. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just a very very strange situation. But you know, I think it, this is one of those things that I think probably unless you're on the training ground or unless you're so sorry, you don't really you're never really going to understand the full picture because I think on the face of it, you know, Palmieri, even if he's not trained particularly well, I, th- I think his performances have been okay enough to suggest that he should potentially get a start um, in the league, but. You know, it's it just seems to be one of those things with with Sari. He seems to be an undroppable player. I mean, even if you don't fancy playing Palmieri, you know, you could actually probably move Aspelicueta over there and maybe play Zappacosta at right back, something, yeah. anything to to try and um, 
just take Alonso out of the out of the firing line for a bit because if if he's tired and he needs a rest, that's one thing. You know, if he's out of form, that, that's a completely different thing. But you know, Aspilicueta is more than a capable left back, and, and at least Zapacosta will give you some energy and give you a little bit of attacking prowess on the right hand side. So, you know, it's just this reluctance to to try something from Sorry, which I think is the is the most puzzling, I think, probably thing about the whole situation. But I think the the bottom line is that unless you're really kind of there day to day, you're not going to know really what's going on with it, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, I'm convinced that uh, that if we were to um, go to the training grounds, that Marcus Alonso is picking up the ball from one side of the pitch to the other and giving people the finger and running past everybody, flicking the ball over everybody's head and scoring goals. <laughs> That's got to be the only way, you know? That has to be the only way. Fuck you! I'm the best! It's got to be the only way. So, um, what else in this game? What else in this game? Uh, we had Colum Hudson-Odoi come on at the end, which is good, which is good. Positive, you know, getting him minutes, getting him time. Uh, do you believe... Well, no, I'm going to save that for the transfer piece. I almost let a question out. <laughs> All right, so Hazard as a false nine. Um, I, I felt like in this game, I, I just, I don't, I want Eden Hazard playing somewhere, anywhere on the pitch at all times. I don't care if he's, if he's in goal. I just want him on the field because I always believe things happen. Good things happen when he's on the field, but him as a false nine, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying, I, I'm not enjoying it. I'm not enjoying it. And I'm not sure if you had, see, I was watching it in NBC. I don't know what commentators you have, um, in, in in your neck of the woods, but they mentioned something um, that I want to run it past you. Let's see see if uh, get your opinions on it. They said during the match that Eden had the least amount of touches of any of the outfield players. That that uh, was no surprise. However, they brought something up with how with with the skill set that William, that Hazard, and that Pedro bring. What what's the reason, or what do you think about uh, like a fluid front three where all three of them are you know take a break or disappear from the game in the striker position and they move out to the wings you know give Hazard some time on the left give Hazard some time on the right while Pedro and William you know alternate you know all three of them they alternate between the left center and uh, right hand side what do you think about that and what do you think about Hazard playing the false nine. I think probably the the first thing to point out is that I think a lot of people suggest it's a false line because you've got a you know, like a non traditional player playing there. But Hazard's actually just playing a, a centre forward role. That the false line is primarily where the the player occupy and that drops into into space, typically into midfield, and then you kind of have your sort of two wingers almost kind of overlapping around the the centre backs to kind of create chances and, and to, to score goals. That the false nine is about dropping into midfield, dropping kind of left and right and creating space and pulling defenders out of position. Hazard and, and when he plays there, particularly under Sarri, is, is just a he's just a five foot eight, you know, centre forward. So it's it's an interesting thing for me because I just, I just don't think we we get anything out of it, you know. And, and this is you know going back to when Roberto Di Matteo tried this years and years ago. He doesn't look like he enjoys it there. He doesn't get involved in the game. He doesn't have the instincts of, say, someone like Messi, where Messi plays there. Um, he, he just doesn't have the, the, the centre-forward gene, per se, to, to actually play that role. And 
you can see that he he looks frustrated. He looks isolated. Um, I think, as you mentioned, I think he someone said he had something like thirteen touches of the ball at one point, which is insane. And then when he moved wide, he had like fifteen touches, or he had like fifteen touches in like ten minutes. You know, so it's. I think it's a, it's a. I don't I don't even really know what what Sarri was trying to achieve with it. To be honest, I mean, yes, you know, he's he's one of our well, he is our best player, but. You know, you're you're putting him in a position where you're almost setting him up not to succeed. And you know, if you're going to play one of those front three down the middle, then surely it has to be Pedro, who has at least some experience doing it for Barcelona, playing down the middle. You know, he can do that, and he probably is a he's a more threatening player than, than Hazard because he's more likely to run in behind. He's he's more likely to to create one-on-one opportunities with with goalkeepers. He is more of the the forward. Um, than sort of the the other two combined, really. Um, and I think in, in terms of sort of that food from free, I think it's something that would be great in practice. But I think that, that Chelsea actually just lack really a, a kind of figurehead or spearhead. And I think if you're going to rotate them a bit too often, um, particularly forcing, let's say, Hazard at sort of wide right or Pedro to come central, etc., um, I, I just can't see it being some of the, the benefits of the team at the moment. They always seem to play better when... Um, someone like Giroud is up there or when they have a real focal point so I think it'd be interesting to see it um, it was kind of why I wanted them to, to see if they could bring Batshuayi back so I thought he could offer them that up front but yeah it'll be uh, be an interesting thing to to see how, how particularly how they line up against Arsenal because I can't see the uh, the front three that they put up tonight really causing them that many problems yeah yeah it just he just disappears um and it's yeah, not does, because, yeah. and it's not because you know, I say that not meaning, you know, the traditional or where the criticism that Hazard always gets, where he just disappears in games. No, 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 no. It's not. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that position takes him out of the game, and it's almost like again we're playing a man short. So, I well, so you bring up the false nine that Hazard's not playing. Couldn't they just switch? I mean. As somebody who doesn't know the difference between a traditional center forward and what a what a false nine, how Hazard would play the traditional front uh, center forward and a false nine, how would like how would he line up? Like, what would he do to 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 inc- what could he do, um, and what could Sorry do to put Hazard in a position to win? While he's playing the quote-unquote striker position, what do you, what do you think he could do there? I think it's it's tricky because if you're if you're looking to to play a, a really I say a traditional full line, but the stereotypical full line position, then Hazard is is dropping into kind of the left central midfield role, the right central midfield role, almost dropping into like a number ten position with a ball. But for then for them him then to have success, you obviously need runners in behind and. Is Kante going to get in the box? Is Kovacic going to do anything with a ball, you know, in, in sort of the penalty area? So, you know, you've, you're kind of limiting yourself with the with the central midfield options first and foremost because they're not going to get beyond Hazard if he does drop deeper with the ball. Secondly, Pedro probably is the only forward that we have that, that will make, pretty much for the goal, you saw that kind of move where he makes from right to left and then he cuts in. Um, not something William will ever do on the left-hand side. So, you're kind of pretty much banking on if Hazard gets the ball, his only real option to, to play um, would be to try and get Pedro in near enough every single time. Where, you know, teams have, have had success with this, you know, you look at even going back to, to 
Sarri's Napoli. You know, you've got Marek Hamzik and Allen, who are both great at getting beyond the ball. Um, Hamzik in particular was, was obviously a fantastic goal-scoring record um, and much more attacking threat than Kovacic and, and Kante. So, you know, I think stylistically, in terms of the midfield that we have available at the moment, you know, it's difficult to justify or difficult to really sort of put Hazard in a position where he succeeds. You know, if, if he just hangs up front as a traditional striker, you know, not coming deep, not pulling wide, you know, then you're basically asking him to to beat two centre-backs who have probably got, you know, almost a foot on him um, in, in terms of sort of winning anything in the air. And, you know, he's he's not very easy to, to, to play the ball into his feet and then expect him to beat two, three players and get shot in every single time. So for me, I mean, at the moment in particular, it feels a little bit just like he's not really set up for, for any kind of success. And, you know, I think you can see the, the game today. Sure, you know, Hazard's a good enough player that he will occasionally make it work and then he'll occasionally have moments of brilliance. But... If you're talking about consistently putting someone in a position to to really do their best, and I think for, for us to do well, Hazard needs to be in, in the best position for him to maximise what he can do. I think at the moment, you know, we're, we're really not seeing that um, kind of in any way that he's being deployed as, as a forward. And you know, over the course of, of his Chelsea career, you know, I, I think you can, I don't even know if you could even put together five games where he's played as a striker where he's been, you know, absolutely superb. Um but it's, it's it's a tricky one. I, I can see why Sarri's doing it. He, you know, he doesn't doesn't really feel that. Uh, obviously, he doesn't really feel Morata is is the guy. Um, and Giroud as well. You know, again, I, I like him as a, as a focal point, as a target man. But you know, beyond that, again, he's not he's not gonna he's not gonna score you goals. He's not gonna get in behind. You know, he's not really gonna offer much more than someone to to cross into and play balls into. So it's a little bit like I think you know we're we're seeing the limitations of the squad. And you know, I can see I can see what Sarri's trying to do by just playing three attackers and hoping, but kind of like today that you know two pieces of magic happen and we can win games. But if we're looking at a sustainable approach to the rest of the season, you know, I, I'm going to feel a bit sorry for Hazard, and you know, I, I don't see it as a as one of these sort of you know bones to to keep him around at the club longer than the summer. You know, if we're continuing to play him in a position that he, a, I don't think he particularly enjoys, and b, you know, it's. It's not great to watch either, you know, for, as a as a fan, just just seeing him just not really affect the game at all. So, you know, it's going to be something that Sorry needs to figure out. Hopefully, if we buy a striker, that definitely uh, puts uh, puts puts sort of one potential possibility in there. But you know, looking towards the sort of the upcoming fixtures, you know, it's for me personally, I'd like to see Giroud start um, possibly with. Uh, with Hazard and, and maybe even Hudson the Doy crossing into Giroud is, is is one of those sort of potential options that we have. But it's tricky. I'm not, not by no means saying that it's an easy thing for, for Sorry to figure out. But you know he has to try and get some sort of semblance of of, of fluidity and, and a little bit more cohesion amongst the the forwards that we have on the pitch. And I think at the moment we just look like three individuals playing rather than a, a sort of cohesive front three. Yeah. So. Based off of the, when we, you and I first spoke, it was I think it was a game or two into the preseason, um, and we all were optimistic about Sorry Ball and and the beautiful football that we were about to play that was about to come to Stamford Bridge, um, and I, it is an improvement over last year, no doubt about it. However, it's still not what we thought we were gonna get, so. What, what what what's missing? What's lacking? Obviously, we need players, but you know, our squ- we're we're going through a little bit of a injury 
injury bug. I feel like uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek would have been playing today um, as opposed to Ross Barkley. And there would have been more a more uh, fluid, more energy going down the, you know, in in today's game, going down the left-hand side. But overall, what are we missing to make sorry, sorry ball work? Because not even, I mean, even Jorginho's play has, has, uh, has dipped. Yes. So what, what what's going on? Like, what's the answers, Joe? What's the answers? Talk to me, Joe. Talk to me. <laughs> I think probably the, the first thing to say is that, you know, you get a lot of this on, social media people sort of trading uh you know is this sorry well it's not really this this is nothing like what i know exactly what you're talking happy. about <laughs> you know people were almost sort of taking great pride in the fact that we're not playing this sort of fantastic brand of football but you know what you're seeing week to week this isn't anything like what what sorry was doing at napoli and you know, it partly comes down to to the playing you know the sort of players that, that are kind of at disposal you know he had probably in every position really technically proficient footballers and you know I think you can kind of sometimes sit with Jorginho and this isn't really a defence of him because I don't think he's been playing particularly well but when sometimes he plays the game at, at speed one and two touches and the ball moves quickly and then people often mock these kind of sort of five yard passes that he makes but the the, the whole thing about Napoli was that if he gave a five yard pass and then that ball moves incredibly quickly forward you know from, from Allen or from Hamzik it moves forward quickly Whereas you pass it to Kovacic and he takes 17 minutes to decide what he's going to do on the ball and then he passes it out to someone else and they take another 25 minutes and then, you know, gives it to Kante and maybe Kante doesn't make a pass or Kante passes it to the opposition or, you know, this this whole dynamic that we have in midfield is, is peculiar because, you know, I think that, that Jorginho is playing in his head at a tempo that, that the team should be playing at, but no one else in the team can play at that tempo. And I think that's the thing that Sari has to realise is that, a, he's got to adjust somewhat to the Premier League. You know, we saw uh, Pep Guardiola make significant adjustments. You know, Klopp is, what, four or five seasons in at Liverpool now, just about starting to perfect his football that he had at Borussia Dortmund. Pochettino, again, you know, doing doing wonders at Tottenham. But again, you know, they, they haven't been able to sustain this uh, for a long period of time. So, you know, he, he has to realise, and this is sorry, he has to realise that there needs to be some adjustments made. And I think one of the, the biggest issues for me at the moment, just sometimes we... We attack in so in, in, in so many numbers at the time that when when we lose the ball in counter attacks, that's when we look completely open to to being sort of taken to the cleaners by the opposition. And even Guardiola kind of realised this sort of in his second season that you know that if you have you know your left back, your left midfielder, your left winger, and a forward all attacking on one side of the pitch, then, then maybe you need to kind of not have your right back, your right midfielder, your right winger, and someone else sort of attacking on the other side. There needs to be some balance and. I think at the moment we, we have a slightly imbalanced team where we have both full backs up the pitch, we have every single midfielder, we have every forward, and then you know, when we kind of lose the ball and we get countered on, it's, it's very easy to sort of get, get at Louise and get it really good straight away. So, you know, that's certainly one thing that I'd like him to work on. But I think, you know, it also comes down to just the, the playing personnel available. You know, Conte had, when we won the title, we had Diego Costa available, so did, uh, so did Jose Mourinho. Um, you know, we don't we don't have a goal scorer in this team. We don't have a player that's going to get 20, 30 goals a season. And you know, when you're trying to build a team, you're trying to change such a drastic philosophy in terms of how the team plays. Having that 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 striker that can paper over the cracks almost um, is is vital. You know, Aguero's done it for Guardiola. Harry Kane has done it for Pochettino time and time again. Salah has done it for for Klopp. You know, once you're trying to build something. 
it's great if you can find a player who can just uh, nick a goal here and there and you know continue to do it throughout the season because it, it kind of validates the work that you're doing. And I think so many times this season where we've had you know so many chances in games and so much possession, we just haven't had that forward to, to sort of finish the finish the move and put the icing on the cake and. Now that's where you get these kind of games that draws or games that kind of end in us losing very narrowly is because we haven't been able to convert a lot of these chances or opportunities that we make. By sheer fact, we just don't have the players. So, you know, there's there's you know there's a lot I think that needs to happen. You know, if, if the club are going to continue down this path of sorry, you know, I, I look at even people like Kante. Kante for me is, is is not technically sound enough to play the position that that, that sorry would want as a right central midfielder. You know, I see him today and he. he the amount of times he gives the ball away sloppily or doesn't make the right attacking pass or, or comes back to Jorginho. And it's the same a little bit with, with Kovacic. I think Kovacic is a very, very fine player technically, but in that left central midfield role, you're given licence to attack, you're given licence to create, to go forward, to push forward with the ball. And again, you know, I'm not really seeing too much from him in, the, in sort of the final third. So it's a little bit of an imbalance across the team. You know, the, the, the wingers we have, you know, with that hazard, obviously, you know, Pedro and, and William are very, very hit and miss. You know, William and, and in particular is sort of a one in ten player. Pedro's pretty much the same. So, you know, yeah, it's 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 peculiar. And then, you know, you, you go back to the fullbacks, you know, Aspilicueta, solid player, but you know, he's he's not a particularly modern fullback. He's not going to get forward, he's not going to overlap, he's not going to create anything. Same with Marcus Alonso, I mean we've spoken about him already, but it's uh it's a tough situation, you know, and I think it's, it's it's tough to say to Sari that, look, you know, this team is not capable of playing the style of football that you want to play, so you're going to have to change it completely. But I think that he needs to make a softer progression from, you know, a team that's played in the in the style of Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte for four or five seasons to what he wants to play. You know, there, there, there's a huge chasm between the two styles of football, and I think he's he's tried to veer too hard to the right too soon. He maybe should have made a slightly softer progression to, towards kind of what he's wanting to do. Um, and, and as you say, you know, even guys like Jorginho, who looked, looked pretty good, you know, sort of the first sort of month, maybe six to uh, six to eight weeks of the season, even he now has uh, has dropped off in, in terms of his form. And you know, the first signs of, of the Stamford Bridge sort of crowd getting a little bit frustrated with him yeah. today. Um, you know, these sort of five yard backwards passes, sideways passes are great when the next person you're passing it to plays the game at pace, does something with the ball. But if the ball's not going anywhere, then you know, you, you seem to be sort of the root of all the problems. So it's, it's, a, it's a definitely a, uh, an interesting situation, but, you know, sorry, he's going to have to figure something out for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Because we... I, I'm, I'm... I always worry. Um, well, not always, but I do worry about sorry that if he... And this goes a little bit with the, with with, with um, transfers... He needs to remember that he's playing for that he's managing Chelsea. And he can't forget that we have a history of not giving managers time. And he might find himself in a position where he's going he's being going a little too hard in the paint with his ideas and his philosophy. And it's costing us. Um I mean, not meaning today, but just overall, that he might find himself in a position where he doesn't have a job anymore. I know I'm early on that. I know what I'm. I know what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you know, sorry, he's gonna get sacked or anything like that. What I'm saying is that he just needs to be careful. He needs to be careful. Um, a a a, a guy that gets a little bit 
It was pointed out to me a few weeks ago that his play has dropped, and this is Rudiger. Um, that his play has dropped, has starting to drop. It was just like two or three weeks ago. I didn't realize it. I didn't see it. I didn't notice it. But today I did. What the hell is going on with Rudiger? And should Christian, uh, should um, Andreas Christensen start warming up and stretching out? I think with with Rudiger, he he because I personally love him. I love him. I love him. So I guess I'm a little bit blind, but a lot of people have been commenting that his play has suffered, and I did notice it today. I did notice it today. I think he's he's the he's the second centre back. I think in a very good punch, but I don't think he's ever going to be the the number one guy. And, and the reason I say that is. There are there are times during matches where I think he his brain completely disengages from the rest of his body and one of the the, the I don't know if it was one of the chances that uh, Rondon beat Luis to the ball and I mean I, I grew up watching William Gallas play with John Terry so watching uh, whenever Terry went to attack a header I always knew that Gallas would, would sweep around maybe five ten yards to guard for the the flick on that was just something that they always used to do and the fact that Rudiger got completely drawn towards the ball. Um, and obviously the the, the, the kind of the, the ball field. I think it was Perez sliced the ball wide. But those kind of little moments, you know, they happen quite regularly. Not quite regularly, maybe, but maybe once a game where he is he's kind of drawn to the ball in, in a way that I would expect a, a top class centre back to, to maybe not 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 have that happen to him all the time. And you know, I think sometimes he he's a little bit rash in his challenges. He makes tackles that he shouldn't, um, he shouldn't have to, or he, he, he doesn't, sometimes he feels the need, like he, he needs to win the ball all the time, which is fine. I, I don't mind aggressive playing centre-backs, but it's, it's free kicks in city areas, which is the thing that I think winds me up a little bit. And I think if we would, if Chelsea were to let's say that, that Louise is, is gone in the summer, for example, that Chelsea, I'm, I'm not even sure if Christensen and, and, and Rudiger, they both seem to me like they, they would both need a, a more commanding player um, mm-hmm. to sort of pick them. So, that, you know, for arguments like someone like Virgil van Dijk with Rudiger next to him, I think that would be a very solid pairing. Um, but I, I think that they are, if you're looking at like an alpha centre-back being like a John Terry, being, let's say, like a, a Nemanja Vidic, that sort of player, um, like I think Rudiger is more of a, a beater kind of player. And he's a, He's good enough. He's good enough to play for Chelsea, don't get me wrong, but he needs, for me, a, a better player next to him, someone who can maybe have, be more intelligent, more aware of, of the entire game. I, I just think that it's a little part of his game is that he has these little hiccups. They're not super, super um, kind of costly at the moment because we all know that he's a, he's a fantastic athlete, so he has the, the ability to recover from many errors. Um, but it's just something in his game I've noticed. And I think, you know, if you're playing with... a a really top tier centre back. I don't think it's it's as much of a problem, but where Luis's kind of form is a little bit up and down at times, you don't have that consistency of play. I, I think Rudiger suffers a little bit from that as well. So, yeah, I think he's uh, he's he's obviously a, a a good player. I just feel that sometimes that his, uh, his the mental side of his game is, is what lets him down a little bit. Yeah, even going back to last year, um, he just has every game. There's always just you know what he go. He's go, he's he's having he's he does uh, 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 can't talk right now. All right, so he makes the mistakes that one mistake a game, that two mistakes a game, that everybody swears that David Luiz makes every single game, 
And Rudiger, from the beginning, has always been that guy. I personally love him. I love his aggression. I love, like, when he fell towards the end of the game where uh, he fell down inside the box and he didn't allow the Newcastle player to get up and he was just, like, holding onto his legs. I love all that dirty, dark magic that, you know, that... That that questionable shit that he does, I love all of that. The the when he jumps up for the ball, the puts the elbow right in the back of the. I love all of that. I love all of that. But he, you're right. He is. He does seem like the second guy, um, and and Christensen is is in your eyes is the same guy, the number two, in a in a in a pairing. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Um, it'd be, be very interesting to see what Chelsea do in the summer. Um, you know, I, I think Christensen and Rudiger, you know, they're two very good options, but the, the bottom line for me is that I both will need a, a more, not necessarily senior, but just someone who's a little bit more dominant, a little bit more thoughtful um, next time when they play. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would also be quite interested to see them play together a bit more often because I think Christensen and Rudiger... You know, I'm more likely to be here next season than, than Louise is, for example. Um, so that would be something that I think would be of interest to see. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think that there's a little bit of a mental mental lapse, probably in probably let's say in in, in both Rudiger and Christensen's game. And and yeah, I mean, I do agree. I think that the people who who sort of complain about David Louise um, yeah, also slightly over exaggerate some of the stuff that he does. But also, I think you're right in saying that they don't necessarily pick it up in other players as frequently. Yep. So, overall, this game, I mean, yeah, you said it best, opening it up, we got the three points, which is always the most important. Move on to the next match, which is Arsenal away. We're playing at the Emirates. Um, That's a big game. We have an opportunity to go nine points ahead um, in the table of uh, fifth place. Um, Joe, the idea came to me a few weeks back. Um, in a conversation I had with a friend who is a Manchester United Manchester United supporter, after they fired Jose and this new play that Manchester United um, have adopted, where they're on fire. Manchester United is on fire right now. Um, the idea that fourth place is gonna get us into the is safe for us to get into the Champions League. Um, it kind of dawned on me that Manchester United are still in in the Champions League, and it wouldn't. I I just don't want to be in a position at the end of the at the end of the season where we finished in fourth, and all of a sudden we see those assholes at Manchester United hoisting the Champions League trophy, and now we're out of the Champions League. So, I I. While we need to just keep stacking three points until I see that team not in Champions League, I don't want to be in fourth. I want to be in third just in case because we all know, we all know there's, we cannot not be in the Champions League next year. We must win the Europa League and I even want to hedge and, and, and protect our ass even further by making sure we are in third. The closer we are to first, the better I feel. Not to say that you know we're gonna win the Premier League, but I just want to be closer to first than I do to fourth. So, what? What? So I guess 
what was the takeaway from this game? Like, uh, did we learn anything? Did it was just? I guess it was just one of those games. Three points on to the next one. Forget about it. Pretty much, yeah. Um, you know, if you're looking back at the end of the season, I don't think anyone is gonna be waxing lyrical about the two-one victory against uh, against Newcastle at home. Um, if I think the one positive, maybe this is just a slight stretch here, but. If it prompts the club into signing a forward, then perhaps that's one of the benefits. But you know, I think just on the on the face of the game itself, I don't think we learn anything about any any players that we did or didn't know already. Um, and and I, yeah, I just hope the players are, are prepared for the for the Arsenal game that's coming up. Yeah. Well, I guess. All right. So last question before we we end the post match review of Chelsea's two one victory. Um, does I guess this is like the billion dollar question. Why can't Kovacic go 90 minutes for our team or even the Croatian team? This dude can it's it's like physically impossible for him to go 90. What the hell? Do you have any answers, Joe? Um I mean, I think he and probably this applies to to Ruben a little bit as well, but maybe for different reasons. Um he has never really, from from memory, I'm thinking back to the times I watched him a little bit into Milan. I don't think he's ever really been a, a player that's has played 90 minutes. And you have to think as well, he's come from being a, a rotation slash bit part player at Real Madrid, where he's he's probably not used to playing, a, you know, a, a 90 minutes game after game after game to to Chelsea, where a the, the tempo of the league and the pace and physicality of the league is obviously infinitely higher than in Spain, but he's also been thrust into a starting role. So you've gone from you know rotating and and not necessarily playing that much um, for Real Madrid in a league that has you know less tempo, less physicality, to starting every single pretty much every single game that he's he's available um, in a new league. You know, in a much more physical style, in, in a team that, that's meant to be pressing, you know, meant to be quite high tempo. So, I think that there's probably just a little bit of an adjustment from him in terms of his his body getting used to to playing weekly um, and playing every week again. But he also maybe strikes me as a player that that possibly just doesn't have that sort of natural fitness um, to to play 90 minutes. You know, it's uh, it's meant to be quite a quite a sort of an all action sort of you know sort of swashbuckling role in that that left central midfield spot and you know he 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 does you know he does get up and down the pitch he does get about so you know maybe it's just taking its toll on him physically but yeah one of these sort of perplexing questions and you know I don't I don't think on the on the the, the kind of stuff that I've seen with him so far. I, I wouldn't be clambering to, to spend the 40, 50, 60 million pounds in that, that Madrid probably want um, us to us to spend them in to, to make the signing permanent. I think he's a, a useful player. He actually looks better against better opposition. You know, he was good against Liverpool. He was good against Manchester City. But from a for a week to week player, you know, I, I just I don't think he offers enough really going forward to, to warrant making him that sort of uh, that level of signing. But yeah, interesting to see how he coaches the rest of the season because with Ruben out and and the only other option being Barkley, I think he's going to play quite a lot. All right, everybody. You heard the man. That was the post-match review for Chelsea's victory uh, uh, over Newcastle at Stamford Bridge. 
All right, everybody, we are back. God damn it, I hate when I hear myself. All right, everybody, we are back. That was Joe Tweedy, um, and that was the post-match review. Listen, every game we uh, we play, every victory we get, every three points, we're not going to mop the floor with everybody 5-0, 7-0. You know, it's not going to always be beautiful. We're just going to have to, at this point in time, we're, there's going to be games where ju- we're just going to have to walk away with three points, you know, it, it like J like the song says uh, with J Rock, it's perfect. Win, 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 win. Fuck everything else, just win. Um, and that's what we did yesterday. There's gonna be games like that. Now, every game cannot be like that. Every game cannot be uh, hoping and praying for two miracles, for two moments of brilliance. They can't be. But in the road to where sorry is trying to get this team where the club is trying to get the team where the players are trying the road to how the players need to play these are these are games like we saw on saturday are we're gonna get those we're gonna get those more often than not next year with an improvement of the squad with another year under sorry system i expect less games than this i expect more games where we're molly whopping the opposition um that's what i expect that's what i hope to see that's what i know we're gonna see till then we're just gonna have to grin and bear it three points remember 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 the goal for the season was to finish top four secure champions league make sure we win some type of trophy Sign N'Golo Kante, sign Eden Hazard, set the foundation for next year. We're doing that. We're still on that path. We still have that trajectory. The only one that seems to be uh, difficult is signing Eden Hazard. N'Golo Kante is already signed. We are already in the top four. We're creating distance. I think we're six points ahead of of arsenal let me look at the league table right now yeah we are six points ahead of arsenal and manchester united who yesterday they beat tottenham uh sunday the 13th they beat tottenham hotspur 1-0 and manchester united i'm telling you guys i'm telling you i'm telling you we cannot sleep on manchester united we cannot sleep on them once they got rid of Mourinho, it's like a brand new team that firepower that they have in the front half, David De Gea is, will be David De Gea. Um, yesterday, he blocked everything. Whether or not there were difficult shots uh, directed right towards him, that's up for debate. But his job is to keep the ball out of the back of the net, no matter what kind of shot comes at him. And he did that. Um, so it seems like he's remembered who he is. Um, and they are a team that needs to be respected. So we cannot sleep. We cannot sleep. The mission remains, and we have to make sure we stay in the top four. I expect, um, I want to move into third. Again, I'm not saying we're going to win the title, but cast your minds back. I'm stealing a term from uh, Nini. Cast your mind back to the 2013-2014 season. Okay? 
Liverpool, with five games left, were seven points ahead of Chelsea. Steven Gerrard said, we're going to win. We do not let this slip. End of the season, third place Manchester City ended up winning the title. Ended up winning the title. And Liverpool, you know, let it slip. All I'm saying, let's move into third, closer to first. I'm not saying we're going to win anything. All I'm saying is let's get into third and let Destiny take care of the rest. Closer we are to first, the better. But I have a sneaking suspicion. I don't trust shit of this season. I don't trust not a damn thing when it comes to this season. I don't. So that's all I got for today. Um, I'm going to be hitting you guys with another podcast on Wednesday. I'm penciling it. It's for Wednesday as of right now. Uh, We're recording tomorrow. Let's see what happens. Uh, But I'm going to be hitting you guys with another podcast on Wednesday, which would be I'll release it Wednesday, which would be the 16th. Um, And then following it up that weekend with another podcast with Simon Phillips. Um, I have Eunice coming up the original founder of 100% Chelsea, literally the second YouTube channel that I ever started watching back in the 14-15 season or 13-14 season. So I know it was 2014. Whether it was in the 13-14 season or the 14-15 season is up for debate. But I know for a fact it was 2014. So he's coming on the podcast, and then at the end of the month, I'm rounding it off with the guys from the Attacking 2 podcast. And that's it. I'm already filling up my February. I got great shows lined up for February. You guys are going to love it. So that's all I got. Uh, Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, Never forget, whatever your hopes, dreams, aspirations are, your boy has your back. I love each and every single one of you, and I'll catch you later. Your boy's out. Oh, before I go, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, AllAmericanCFC. Instagram. I haven't got Instagram. I, like I got Instagram, but I I'm not really active on it right now. But it's coming too. Uh, I'm gonna be more active on it too. Instagram. All American Chelsea. Um, and that's it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great day. I love each and every single one of you. Um, your boys out later. I can see it inside your face, you're in the wrong place Cowards like you just get their whole body laced up With bullet holes and such Speak the wrong words, man, and you will get touched You can put your whole army against my team And I guarantee you it'll be your very last time breathing Your simple words just don't move me You're minor, we major You're all up in the game and don't deserve to be a player Don't make me have to call your name out Your crew is featherweight My gunshots will make you levitate I'm only 19, but my mind is older When the things get for real, my warm heart turns cold Enough nigga deceased, another story is told It ain't nothing really, and yo done sparked the Philly So I can get my mind off these yellow back niggas While they still alive, I don't know, go figure Meanwhile, back in Queens, the realness and foundation If I die, I couldn't choose a better location When the slugs penetrate, feel a burning sensation Getting closer to God, in a tight situation now Take these words home and think it through Or the next rhyme I write might be about you Sunday shook, cause ain't no such thing as halfway crooks Scared to death and scared to look, they shook Cause ain't no such thing as halfway crooks Scared to death and scared to look Living the life that a diamond's
and guns. There's numerous ways you can choose to earn funds. Some get shot, locked down, and turn nuns. Cowardly hearts and straight up shook ones. Shook ones. It ain't a crook, son. It's just a shook one. For every rhyme I write, it's 25 of life The whistle must have got you, trust safeguard on my life Ain't no time for hesitation, the only leads to incarceration You don't know me, there's no relation, Queensbridge M's don't play I don't got time for your petty thinking mind, son, I'm bigger than those Claiming that you pack heat, but you're scared to hold And once the smoke clears, you'll be left with one and you don't Thirteen years in the projects, my mentality is what, kid? You talk a good one, but you don't want it Sometimes I wonder, do I deserve to live? Or am I gonna burn the hell for all the Things I did. No time to dwell on that, cause my brain reacts. Front if you want, kid, lay on your back. I don't fake jazz, kid, you know I bring it to your life. Stay in a child's place, kid, you out of line. Criminal minds thirsty for recognition. I'm sipping, EMJ got my mind flipping. I'm bucking, digging my was out of hope for hustling. Get that loot, kid, you know my function. As long as I'm alive, I'ma live illegal. And once I get on, I'ma put on all my peoples. React with lyrics like Max ahead. You don't know when I Roll up the beat, sleep because of free Sunny shook, this ain't no such thing as halfway crooks Scared to death, and scared to look, they shook This ain't no such thing as halfway crooks Scared to death, and scared to look, they shook This ain't no such thing as halfway crooks Scared to death, and scared to look, they shook This ain't no such thing as halfway crooks Living the life that comes with guns There's numerous ways you can choose to earn funds Some get shot, locked down, and turn guns Cowardly hearts and straight up shook ones, shook ones He ain't a crook, son He's just a shook one